Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. Welcome to another episode of Ready to Lead. My name is Richard Lindner. I'm your host, and joining me, as always, is Coach Jeff Matsk. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for joining us today. That was the most succinct and least embarrassing it's ever been. I appreciate yeah. that. That was wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Keep keeping you on your toes. You know. Great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. So I, I'm really excited about our talk today. I think that one of the biggest kind of frustration or, or struggles that new managers have, um, specifically people going from an individual contributor to a people leader or a management role is how the heck do you manage your time? How do you manage your day? How do you transition out of purely individual contributor work and into maybe a player coach role, maybe a pure management role. But what does that transition look like? And, and, you know, I know that it's frustrating. I know that when we get frustrated as, as individuals, we, we kind of flee to our core competence and that's a muscle that we have to build in changing that core competence from individual contributor to people leader. So I just want to have an, a candid conversation around maybe some some pitfalls that we've either experienced or seen, uh, how we've led people through this transition, and and hopefully some frameworks and guidelines that'll help anyone who is in the thick of that right now, or maybe you're leading someone who mm -hmm. is in the thick of that or about to be in the thick of it. What do those conversations look like? How do we how do we help shortcut that success? And and at least I think it starts with acknowledging like this is is frustrating and difficult for everyone. Uh, yeah. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Totally. Totally. This transition is no joke. And there's no quote unquote perfect way to do it. E even you and I, as we talked about it, we, we see things a little differently and we would approach it a little differently, which is great. Also <laughs> can be frustrating because it makes you go, well, what, what is the best way? And sometimes you just kind of need to experiment and find out, but there is no simple, clean way. There are some best practices though. There are, or better practices, I like to say. There's also a framework or two we can share that can help get you down that path and, and not, you know, so you're not feeling totally on an island and not unsure how to do it. But just rest assured, there isn't a perfect scripted, this is the exact methodology and way you should do it when you transition from individual contributor to manager and, and managing your time. There are great things to do and we'll talk about those. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this as well and feel like it's super needed and frankly, would have loved a podcast like this when I made this Boy, transition. <laughs> no joke. I'll tell you, and I think that's a great way to kick it off. So I have kind of uh, initially, uh, I stutter stepped my path to leadership. So mm -hmm. went in, you know, was kind of high performance individual, always overperforming in, in my role and was put in my first management role. And, and it was it was great because I was leading people that were doing things that I had done or mm -hmm. was, was doing. So I was leading a team of people that were doing things that I had done. I could speak to their role very clearly. Uh, I had experience and expertise in it. But the problem with my first attempt at, at management was I competed against them. Mm. Not intentionally. Right. But when I lived too long in that individual contributor role, and that's how I self-identified, and that's where everything was focused. I didn't really know how to talk to new team members or what that looked like or how I would support them or how to get stuff done through other people. I knew one way 
to accomplish the goals given to my team. And that was to strap it on my back and go. And I'll tell you that uh, burned through the team. It built so much distrust yeah. that I can't even explain how the conversations were going around and over me because it felt like I was showing off. Mm-hmm. I was where I felt like, okay, the best thing I can do for my team is model. Let me just strap on you know, the weight in, in my backpack and run up the mountain. They felt like I was competing with them. And, totally. and looking back, I can see, yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely competing with them. I mean, I'm, I'm defaulting to, you know, to, to my area of core competence. So that was tough. Yeah. Now fast forward to the next time. And I said, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. So I just absolved myself of all individual (laughs) contributor work, but I did it in a way that was, that was intentional. I'm just kidding. I just stopped doing it. I was just like, well, I'm a manager now. I don't do that anymore. And that one broke because, well, then nothing happened. And my team looked at me and they were like, I guess we just don't have to do anything. Yeah. So I don't believe that I intentionally went into either of those going like, I'm going to screw this up. Mm -hmm. But I did. Mm -hmm. I screwed it up both times. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the second time I had a a leader that was was leading me and I had, you know, a team that was confident enough to be like, hey, man, you're kind of screwing this thing up. And I was Mm -hmm. like, boy, I'm glad someone else feels that way because so do I. (laughs) So those are the ways that, that I have felt the pain. I'll tell you what I wish I had done was step back and, and first look to ask a question. And that question is, what does this leadership or management role look like in this company? Mm-hmm. Am I a coach or am I a player coach? Mm-hmm. Right? So clearly understanding, are you, are you looking to transition out of all of your individual contributor roles and responsibilities. And really your job is, is leading and managing the people that report to you from whatever time you wake up till whatever time you go to bed or Mm -hmm. or work hour to work hour, open to close kind of thing. Or are you the player coach to where your job is to hold on to key and critical responsibilities while still leading and growing the team? So if you are confused on that, then probably this, this transition is going to be tough and a failure until you get clarity. Totally. I was going to say, start there, right? Start start on, on what success looks like in your role with your leader to make sure that's super clear. We've talked about this before, but too often as leaders, we kind of gloss over this and we don't really get crystal clear on what a success looks like. I mean, here's a, here's an example of this. When, when, I mean, you might think, oh, well, that only happens in startup or in in smaller companies and so forth. Actually, no, just recently I'm working with a client who's a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company. And when I say multi-billion, I mean like north of 70 billion, like it's a, it's mm. a big company. So you think, oh, they've got it all figured out. Well, turns out no company is perfect, which is, which is fine. And what was occurring with these senior, senior, senior leaders, by the way, is that the leader hadn't really clearly articulated what does success look like? when you're leading this, this, your particular team, for example, one of them was used to working at another fortune 500 company and was used to leading in a certain way, which in that way was be very siloed, be very intentional about your outcomes and your metrics within your department. And you kind of don't even think about your other peers. It doesn't really matter. Well, in this company that I'm working with, that's completely the opposite. 
success as a leader in this company is you are supporting and are united with your leadership team. That is your primary focus. Your secondary focus is the team that you're leading and the results within that individual team. But see, this particular leader hadn't really been, hadn't received that message. Not because he wasn't listening. It's because the message was delivered because mm. it was just kind of assumed in this new culture. But we had to stop and redefine success for this leader and help him realize, no, it, it has to do with X, Y, and Z. We've got to get that done. And yes, I said Z because this is a British company. So, so I can say that. cultured. <laughs> my, my kids always make fun of me, but I'm like, it, it just, I don't know why. It's a little more natural for me now sometimes. But anyway, I digress. Point is, define success as a leader. What does it look like? What, what is expected of you? And make sure you're clear on that. Because, you know, to Richard's point, if, if you're not clear on that and you absolve certain, certain roles and responsibilities, or you're, you're not there and all of a sudden you think you're doing a job and you're not really doing what's expected, that's not helpful. So define success is step one, in my opinion, it's, it's I, critical I to do that. And, and think about it from what we've talked about in, in our role as leaders. What's our first job? Clarity of role. Now, <laughs> if you don't have clarity of role, you need to model what you would hope that your team member would do. Seek it, mm -hmm. seek it. Right. And yep. in fact, and, and there's a, so one of our core values used to be, and yes, I said used to be, I'll, I'll explain. And when we were explaining the core value and, and over time, over 10 years, mm -hmm. um, or eight years, I guess, what, what started to happen was we would find people using that as a defense mechanism, right? Know the why. No one told me the why. Yeah. So when, when it was a lot, and, and it just, it, it led to this weird use of a core value as a shield for yeah. someone sitting back and, and, and being like, well, our core value is know the why, therefore everyone must tell everyone else the why. Right. If the person who has the why doesn't tell the person who needs the why, then it's the fault of the person right, who has right. it because they must be maliciously hoarding the why because they want me to fail. So when we went through a core value review in one of our strategic planning sessions, we decided that that one needs to be updated. The yeah. spirit of it is not there. So we changed it to seek the why, hmm. right? Great. Seek the why. If it's Great. given to you, then good news, short journey. Yeah. Uh, if it's not, if you're unclear, it's your responsibility to go find it. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's what we need to model here. Yeah. So you as a new, you as a new leader need to seek clarity in your role. It, is this role a player coach role or is this role a coach role? Right. Am, is my primary role and responsibility the way that should do the things that should occupy most of my, my thoughts, my mm -hmm. learnings and my calendar leading the people on this team? Yeah. Or is that part of it, but there are critical aspects of my IC and my individual contributor role that I need mm -hmm. to hold on to, or there are new individual contributor aspects of this role that are critical that don't include the leadership aspect. Yeah. Once you know that, then I think it's important to go in and to say, what are the top three to five value creation, like critical, crucial tasks in this role? Mm -hmm. And are they documented? Yeah. Either my previous role or my new role, right? It's totally fine to say, they are, do we have documentation on these three to five things of the role that I'm stepping into, mm -hmm. even if that's a leadership role? Yeah. Right. I, I think great. that would have added the clarity on, on, or getting closer to clarity in what the situation that Jeff just said, because there were, there was assumptions 
Right. We're bringing someone in from the outside. They had done this, whether they'd been the company a little while or they came right into the new role. We do it this way here. They're a similar size company where they came from. They must also do it this way, mm-hmm. but they don't. Right. So if there would have been documentation on some of that stuff, it may have led to clarity through question, right? Like, oh, wait, we didn't do it this way. Can you give me some more information on how you do it? Because I was planning on doing it this way just from having documentation. So if that doesn't exist, good news, bad news. (laughs) You found an opportunity (laughs) and your gift in finding that opportunity is solving that. For sure. Right. You get to document it. Yeah. I'm going to back up just a little bit. You, you mentioned something about that particular core value. It's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important. Mm -hmm. I like to call those moments the counterfeit of the core value that creeps in. Oh yeah. And and very often there are core values that are used that are, that are just the spirit isn't there. It's a, it's a separate topic for another day that I think we should do, but man, identifying those counterfeits and how people use the core values as a weapon versus a mirror, it's, it's a totally separate conversation, but I think important. And I love that you guys felt that sense that and adapted accordingly to, to make sure that the culture still was was really preserved and, and the spirit of, of that core value and your culture was, was there. So, okay. So I I think you, you were right though. I I said shield, it was, it was far more weaponized and it, and just not the intent, not the spirit and, and Mm -hmm. used not only in defense, but in attack of someone else. So weaponist was, was way more of the, of the right, right word to use there. So there's likely a lot of people nodding saying, oh, that's happened with us too. Yeah. You're not alone. And so there, there are some things we can do to create, to help preserve the spirit of that, especially for people that weren't around when they created, when you created your core values. So anyway, bit of a tangent, but I think important because it was a really, really, really critical point. Okay. So first thing we said was create the clarity and seek that clarity, then create what does success look like and so forth. And with your key, you know, three to five most important value, value creating tasks, projects, responsibilities, and so forth. Whatever those critical tasks and responsibilities are, whatever the things that lead to the company realizing the most value from your department, your team, your Mm -hmm. role. Mm -hmm. Right. Then the next thing I'd like to do in this is I like to audit. I like to do a Mm. self audit where I'll look at it and say, what, what did success look like in my individual contributor role? And now when it comes to time management, what's my success? What does it look like in my, in my managerial role or in my leadership role? And I like how these quadrants of one, two, three, four that he goes through. So if you haven't been through that book, just imagine a two by two quadrant that has it's an Eisenhower matrix. If you, oh, if you're yes. familiar, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you. That was a much better. I didn't think you it. didn't know. I'm just saying what it is. <laughs> I actually didn't know. I've never heard that. <laughs> oh, it's called an Eisenhower matrix. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> when your X, Y axis runs anyway. There you go. I'm, I'm actually fine admitting what I don't know. And that's one of them. So thank you for educating yeah. me. It's good. So quadrant one is upper left quadrant two, upper right quadrant three, bottom left quadrant four, bottom right. Mm-hmm. And quadrant one is urgent and important. Mm-hmm. Quadrant two, not urgent and important. Quadrant three, urgent, not important. Quadrant four, not urgent and not important. So you want to be living in the, it's not necessarily urgent, but it's super important quadrant, which is quadrant two, upper right. But very often as you do an audit like this on your time, you realize much of your time is in the urgent, important and urgent, not important. Why? Because things become urgent. 
or we define urgency in a certain way, right? We allow urgency to, to kind of, to, to lull us into this place or force us there because we have to, you know, respond right away or whatever it may be. And so when you do this assessment, I rec recommend doing it in two ways. One, when you are most effective as, a, as an individual contributor, start to put in there, you know, where you were managing your time, then create the version two of now as a leader, where do I want to be managing my time and where do I want to put things and how much time am I going to allocate for each of these quadrants? So it's a really cool exercise. And sometimes people go, well, I don't even know where to begin. One place to begin is look at your calendar for the last, say, three, four weeks and just kind of put in, you know, different spots. So for example, if people are going, I don't, I'm not sure where, where this would be. So quadrant one, urgent and important. An example could be, you know, putting out customer fires or a crisis or a pressing mm -hmm. problem or an accident or, you know, working on a, an employee's issue that came up that was, you know, right then you, there was no way you could plan for it. That's kind of what quadrant one is. They're important and they're urgent. Whereas quadrant two, not urgent, but important. This is, think of this as the preparation, the planning, the prevention. Those three Ps are really critical that actually reduce a lot of the urgent things that come up. And I sometimes use urgent as air quotes because we haven't done the proper preparation, planning, and, pre and, and prevention in quadrant two. So that's strategic planning. That's your goal setting. That's health and wellness. That's, wait for it, vacation time. Yeah, I said it. Very critical. Because when we have those things allocated, it enables us to be our best versions of ourselves, to be more creative in our energy and less reactive in our energy. When we're super reactive, it's because we haven't properly planned and prepared. So if you find yourself doing that a lot, either as an individual contributor or a leader, manager of people, leader of people, likely you're not investing enough time in quadrant two. So hopefully those are helpful. Then quadrant three, non-urgent, non-important, certain phone calls, certain meetings, doing people favors, people's just interruptions in general that aren't really critical. Then not, not urgent, not important, quadrant four, scrolling social media, playing video games, uh, vegging, watching TV, what, whatever it is, think of it, quadrant four is kind of your mind escape quadrant, where sometimes you just need a little downtime to just not be on. Where does your brain go? And how much time are you putting in that quadrant? Some people say, I don't want any time in that. And I would say, eh, it's okay to have some time to just kind of let your brain not be thinking. It's how much time you know, if you want to scroll on social media for five minutes and now all of a sudden it's, oh, wait, 55 minutes, problem, right? So just be aware mm -hmm. of it. And, and when we do that as an individual contributor and then as a leader, then we can create what our future looks like as a leader. All right. I shared a lot. What, what thoughts or questions do you have with that, Richard? Anything to clarify? No, but I love that. I have people go through this even when they're not in a transition at least twice a year. Ideally yes. quarterly, but I do it from almost a, a time journal in like a time study. So go yeah. back and look at your calendar. I definitely do it anytime someone requests um, a higher, an additional bubble on the org yeah. chart to make yeah. sure that we're not hiring either the wrong role or hiring for inefficiencies. And when I say inefficiencies, I mean someone is actually doing the wrong task. Some, it should be handed off to someone else. And the reason that they are out of bandwidth is there's too much that they're doing in the wrong quadrant. Um, so on top of these quadrants, you know, I think this is probably where you're going to go next, but what, how do we, how do we assign an action to each one? Yes. Right. Because now what the way that I like to define them is, is really 
when you're looking at when you're when you're looking at them, I like to look at them with with impact and complexity, hmm. right? So you know if you're if you're normally thinking of of not important, important, you know, is it then urgent, not urgent? I think if you add complexity over that and impact, because important is subjective, mm -hmm. right? This, like, there's some subjectivity to, like you said, so is there, like, urgency is subjective, importance is subjective. Let's, let's replace, you know, let's go in and, and just say, what would happen if we replaced importance with impact? Because subjectivity kind of dies there. Like, is this important? Should this be done? It can be a subjective person to person answer. Is, does this impact the team, the business, the key metrics? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. What is the complexity? Right. Because there may be something that's, that's very complex that has a lower impact, but it does have to get done. Right. We mm -hmm. have to acknowledge that it has to get done. So how do we solve for that? Well, maybe we solve by documenting and, and hiring an outsourcer or we, we document and we have someone that's more administrative that can, can do it because the complexity can be handled by documentation, right? Mm -hmm. So figuring that out is, is key, but then overlaying in each of those quadrants, what should I do, right? What do I do with this? So whether we're talking importance, urgency, or impact and, and complexity, how do I then go in and and decide what action do I kind of deploy on each of these, these boxes. And, and really for me, and I'm guessing for you, that's where the, the four D's come in. Yeah. Do, uh, defer or delay, depending delegate and delete or drop again, you right. can kind of choose your D there, but <laughs> do defer, delegate, delete. I'll tell you, you're going to have some internal resistance to this mm -hmm. when you lead other people through this they are going to resist it because what we're saying at, at a fundamental level is, yeah, a lot of the stuff that you've been doing, if it's down here in this quadrant, we're just going to not do that anymore. We're going to delete it. We're going to drop it. We're going to stop doing that. Yeah. But that's, that's where I get where, my value. That's where my identity right. is, is. Right. It's like, wait, right. but, 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 but I will have a job and self-preservation kicks in unintentionally. Yeah. It can go. Yeah. Now you need to feel it in yourself. It's going to happen. And what you need to go is, aha. I felt it. Yeah. Intellectually, I know that's not the case. But knowing that, holding on to that feeling, going through and asking myself, why did I feel this way? You know, and, and not to overlay too many, too many frameworks, but going in and kind of when you <laughs> feel that, the five whys. So yeah. you get down to the root. And, and why is that so important? Because you're going to be leading someone through this. And when they react in a way that you felt, you can respond to what you felt, not what they're feeling. Totally. You can respond with empathy. So you have to go in and then overlay on each of these quadrants. What do I need to do? Like those are the things that if I'm a player coach, if we're looking back, the do, that's the stuff that I need to hold on to. I mm -hmm. got to keep doing that. Whether it's not urgent and important or whether it's critical and complex, mm -hmm. these are the things that you need to hold on to. So yeah. we got to make sure in time management, those things are accounted for. Right. Now we start to move over into the, you know, that's the do. Okay. What's the delegate? Mm -hmm. So delegate may mean when you're transitioning into this role, you're delegating to someone on your team or you're handing off to someone who's taking your role. And in delegate, we've got to make sure there's documentation. So mm -hmm. when you're, when you're acknowledging these tasks, you've got to figure out what are these tasks that exist that I need to delegate either to my team or to a peer and 
is their documentation, is the documentation up, up to date? If so, delegation is pretty easy. Here's the documentation. Let's do it together first. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll record a video for you so you can always go back to it. Boom. Delegate. Right. Right. Then the defer is the defer and the delete are the ones where you get pushback. Defer, and, and let me tell you when you use defer, because this is the one I get the most questions about when I'm leading people through it internally. What I put in the defer is we either don't need to do this right now because the math doesn't work. We don't have the bandwidth to do it, and it doesn't make a critical impact on the business or the, the business unit. So if we had the bandwidth, we would do it. Based on known and real constraints, we can't. We are going to temporarily pause this until we hire, complete this project, whatever it is that would allow us the bandwidth to continue, whether it's mm -hmm. personally or as a team, right? That I, I either put that there or another type of task that would go there is something that we are unsure if it has impact. If it seems like it should, and it seems like we should probably keep doing it, but we don't know, I'll put that in the Let's defer. Let's stop doing it for a minute. See what happens. Because when you stop doing it, you see what mm -hmm. happens. What breaks? Yeah. Our customers going like, I can't right. access this, or I'm not getting this this fulfillment piece, or right. okay, crap, that is actually, it's in the wrong category. So if you're unclear on whether or not you can delete or drop, it goes in the defer. And just see. And maybe you say, we're going to defer this for a month, a week, quarter. It's going to live here. And we're just going to see what happens. And if nothing mm -hmm. happens by this time, we'll move it from the defer to the drop. Mm -hmm. It begs the question, why do this quarterly or semi-annually? Because we start to accumulate tasks and projects that we're comfortable with, that we kind of like <laughs> doing, that gives us value or, or energy or identity. And if you don't do this consistent audit over time, you find yourself saying, man, I'm just so busy. There's just not enough time in the day over and over and yep. over because we haven't been wise stewards of time. And we, it happens by the way, to almost all human beings. So don't feel guilty or ashamed at all that, that that's happening. Just recognize that it, it occurs and we get used to certain things and we don't like change. So we kind of get mm. comfortable with what we're doing. But when you, when you do this, it helps you be a much more powerful leader. And then to Richard's point, you can have empathy when you're leading people going through the same situation. It's really powerful. I like, I like this yeah. exercise a lot. So here's, here's the, the big aha for me when I, when I first went through this and realized that not only as a leader, but as an individual contributor, as a high performance, high output individual, the things that I own now should be fluid. If I'm owning the same thing for an extended period of time, and we're talking six, 12, 18, 24 months, if the same thing is staying in that task knowing the speed of the industry, the speed of technology, the speed of change, that's, that's a good indication that there's a problem. I'm holding on to something. I'm not seeking for either better ways to do something. We're not leveraging technology. I'm not delegating to grow my team hmm. because if I'm tapped out now, then I can't grow. The company can't grow from my, my growth. And, and we, we have a problem. It's called the ceiling. This is how you determine whether or not you're at your ceiling, your ability to take things that you own and move them from, you know, do to delegate. And hopefully over time, you move that task to either delay or drop because you're innovating better ways to do things. Yeah. 
You don't drop the result, right? You're talking about the task to get that result. So when you're in a, in, you know, transitioning that management role, this is powerful so that you are clear at what you need to do and then how you need to manage your time. Mm -hmm. When you're sitting there quarterly, or if you ever say there's just not enough time in the day for me to do everything, I need to get done. Or if you hear that as a leader, you walk through this exercise and you figure it out. What do we need to take off this plate? What is someone else holding on to from a previous role they need to hand off? Totally. So totally. That's, that's the process to figure out what is important. Yeah, I want to add something just to plug for our February 14th episode on delegating the four steps to doing so the edge method. Mm. If you're just just reminding that principle is super critical and very often we delegate ineffectively. Go back to that episode if you haven't heard it. Okay, continue. I just want to make Great. that plug because I think it's helpful. So the last thing is calendar, right? There's what you've decided you're going to do and what you've planned to do. And planning in a lot of cases means just putting it on the calendar, blocking mm-hmm. out time. So when we've, when we've determined like, these are the critical things that I need to do. What's the frequency? What's the duration? Mark those on your calendar. The next, what are the things that I need to delegate? So following the edge method, um, when are you going to delegate? Right? Mm-hmm. When are you going to document? How are you going to start that process? How long is it going to take? Put that on your calendar. Now you look at the rest of your roles as a manager, right? What are the things that you have to do? The weekly team meetings that you need to lead, your one-on-ones. Are there you know, critical project meetings that, that either need to happen or critical projects that you need to have working time with your team? You start to identify those. I, I'm a big fan of not only calendar blocking, but day theming. Yeah. So I theme my days with focus time and collaboration time. So focus time is the task that I'm responsible for. I'm a player coach. I love the player coach. I think it keeps people sharp. Other people are not a fan of player coach and think more like career management. I have no problem with that. Except I don't want to be a career manager. So that's where my problem is. It's more of a bias, not a problem. I think that's what that's called. But I enjoy being in there and rolling my sleeves up and doing it, but doing it in a way that's collaborative. It's something I've had to had to work to get to. But I enjoy it. So I have my days, focus day, collaboration day, focus day, collaboration day. And then on Friday for me, it is catch up, learning, or rejuvenation. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm either going to, I'm either going to rest because I've did all my goals and everything is great. And maybe you can do this. Maybe you can't. But mm-hmm. for me, Friday is important to keep blocked out. If I didn't get done what I needed to get done, Friday's catch up day. Yeah. If I'm, if, if I did get done, but I've got something that, that I just really need to dive into and immerse myself in to, to gain knowledge for, for either something we're in right now or something, a season we're about to enter in, Friday becomes a learning day. I'm really going to deep dive and put it in my calendar and give myself the the permission, but also the time block to learn. Mm-hmm. If I don't have anything I need to learn, if we've been pushing hard, if we're at or ahead of schedule on all of our, our goals and our projects, I may take Friday to relax. Mm-hmm. But going back, so focus, that's where I'm going to put all of my, my individual tasks. Collaboration, that's where I'm putting one-on-ones, meetings, et cetera. And I like to go collaboration, focus, collaboration, focus, so that I collaborate first. 
get very clear on what my team needs of me as an individual contributor. The next day I dive into only the IC roles of that need. The next day I present my work complete or incomplete where I'm mm-hmm. at to the team to make me a contributing asset to a bigger picture, not a, let me strap it on my back and run this team to success. Yeah. Good, so I good think whatever your calendar management strategy is moving from the, you know, whether it's a critical task matrix or whatever you're, you're looking at your, you know, four D's moving from that to the calendar is critical. Yeah. It's awesome. So a couple of things as we wrap up. Richard just shared kind of how he looks at his calendar and how he puts things on there. Is that the right way? Maybe. Does it work for him? Totally. So if you're hearing that and you go, man, I should try it, try it. I hear that and I go, ah, that doesn't really work for my personality. What I like to do is do little time blocks within multiple days and have that. Whatever works for you, do and try. Test. Figure out what works for you and, and, and model accordingly. The other thing is where Richard and I disagree is the long-term player, coach, leader. I, I find that, and it's less about being a career manager and more around when I am leading my own individual contributor metrics and numbers and responsibilities and leading the hearts of mind of minds of people simultaneously, it dilutes my ability to do both well effectively. Now, maybe a personal bias probably is. But as I led multiple people and pushed them into player coach roles, I found that I was diluting their ability to be a really powerful present leader for their people because they would get stressed about their own individual contributor needs and goals and, and, and metrics that they needed to run to each their own, right? There's, there's, again, there's no right, right way. There's no, you got to try this. You have to do this. You, every business is a little different. Every stage is a little bit different. Every person is a little bit different. The point is try them out. Try and see what works. What, is, what does that look like? And it go, all goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning, define what success looks like. Whatever path we get to that out, outcome and end result doesn't really matter as long as we get to the results that we all agreed we would get to in the first place. So a lot of this is flexibility. A lot of this is humility. A lot of this is a desire to learn and grow and improve. But when we get stuck in our ruts, when we get stuck in our ways, when we are so busy, we don't have enough time, Take a look in the mirror. There are some things we can do to be more effective, to manage our time more, mm. more, more effectively as we start to lead people more, more intentionally. So those are my final thoughts on this. This, hopefully this has been helpful for all of you as you've listened and you have something tangible you can actually apply and act on as, as we always talk about. That's really what this is about. It's about action and doing, not just listening and saying, oh, that was great. And then moving on and doing your same thing. So Richard, thank you for what you shared. It was awesome. Any, any thoughts you have? Any, any final thoughts you want to share? Yeah. I would love to lead, lead with a final thought and uh, challenging action. What Jeff said was vulnerability, humility, you know, one, be prepared to, to have to put something to play. It doesn't work. Hmm. You got it wrong and you have to change it. That's fine. That's a win, right? That's what, that, that's a stepping stone on the way to success. So in the spirit of that vulnerability, in the spirit of that humility, here's what I would challenge you to do. Ask the people that you are charged with leading. In a perfect world, how much time do you need from me a week? And what does that look like? Hmm. We're talking about time management. We're talking about what it should look like. And there is no 70% this, 30% this, 50, 50, 45, you know, 55. Like the percentage of individual contributor to leadership management 
does not exist. It, the answer is always, it depends, right? Depends on the role, depends on the company, depends on the stage. So mm -hmm. here's what I would tell you to do. Model good leadership and ask the people you're charged to lead. They know. Yeah. They're going to be different. So where I would challenge each of you today is to go to the people that you're charged with leading and say, in a perfect world, how much time with me do you need a week to be great at your job, to have everything you need to succeed, to hit your goals? And how does that break down? Let's see what they say. Maybe you're trying to give them too much and what they need is just a runway. Maybe you're like, wow, I never would have thought of, of spending intentional time in that way leading this person. So it goes to time management, but it also goes to flexibility and individual leadership and getting to know the different members of your team. So that's the challenge I'll leave you with. The only uh -huh. other thing I will leave you with is a thank you. Thank you for hmm. listening. Jeff, thank you for being here. I can't wait to do it again. You're awesome, everybody. Keep leading. Keep doing your best. Talk, Talk soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.